What is going on, team? We have got another amazing episode of the Thrive Forever Fit show for you today. If you're a first-time listener, I want you to know that the purpose and mission of this podcast is to disrupt the way you're currently thinking, inspire you to think differently, and give you the tools and the resources to transform into the person that you deserve and desire to be. Today is going to be no exception to that rule. I've got a incredibly passionate and purposeful and an intentional guest on today. His name is Chris Whitehead. He is the author of the new book that is soon to be released called Becoming Iconic. And today, guys, we are going to give you success and winning tips on life. You do not want to miss this episode. I'm glad you're here. Grab a pen, grab some paper, get ready to take some notes. You are going to be blown away by Chris. Let's do it. Chris, my brother, welcome to the show. We just had a little like three minute chat that I wish we would have recorded because it was freaking awesome. But welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate you having me here, man. I can't tell you how excited I am. Like I love, I got referred to you through a mutual friend, uh, Mark Z, who is a rock star, awesome guy. We just did a podcast a few weeks ago and people are still buzzing about it. And so I know they're going to love this one. But I love it when I start like researching a new guest or getting introduced to an awesome human like you. Because I just, I have so many, so many questions and you and I are going to have a conversation as if nobody's here and yeah. just you and I having a coffee or a beverage and just jamming out and, and being who we are. Let's start with, with the most obvious question that I have to, I have to ask is you're coming out with a new book called Becoming Iconic. Yep. Let's start right there. What does that mean? So the idea um, and the, the subtitle is how to make today's uh, ceiling tomorrow's floor, right? Right. <laughs> I, I, you know, right now I'm 47 years old and I certainly believe that I still have a lot left in me, but I'm also becoming more and more aware that it isn't forever. You know, we have kids that are in college. Uh, we're transitioning. We just bought a, a, a million dollar home, which we're supposed to downgrade. We actually went the opposite direction. <laughs> um, but that's part of making today's ceiling tomorrow's floor, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing that I've seen from so many people is that they have a thermostat that allows them to reach a certain level and then they go, I'm done. And, you know, I, I just know this about you and me and almost every entrepreneur out there, dude, I've got an itch in me that I have something that I have to do in life. And I wanted that itch. And this is crazy to some people, but I wanted that itch to be so big that I don't ever have to think about pursuing it for the rest of my life. And the reason that I say that is, you know, at 22 years old, I was in corporate America. I was certainly doing everything that it took to be successful there. And I looked over at district managers and they had the plastic Jesus smile on and they were wearing the suit and they were making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or three or whatever. And that seemed like really good money to me. But then I asked them, you know, how many days a week do you work? And they said seven. And I, I remember at the time going, I'm not willing to give anything seven days a week that's not mine. And I'm certainly not going to put a suit on for $300,000 a year. And I don't care what kind of conventions and cars you roll through here or any of that shit. Um, and so it started me thinking about this idea of owning a business. So I started a business and 10 years later, um, or 11 years later, I shut it down because of the recession. Mm -hmm. And 
I had a moment where I had to reinvent who I was. And what I realized is that even in owning a business, um, I, I took a huge ego blow when that business shut down because I mean, it'd been there 11 years and I was like, this is what I'll do for the rest of my life. And I finally figured it out. The truth was, is that I was doing something that I didn't really want to do. And so, you know, at 35 years old, I have this opportunity to reinvent myself. And the one thing that I wanted to figure out for me is what or who, or do you want to become, or what do you want to do for the rest of your life, man? Because I want it, I want you to become, Chris, I want you to become an expert at that thing. And it's going to take the rest of your life to really get there. So choose wisely. Well, that's not, that's easily said, and not easily done. Yeah. Um, it took a lot of soul searching. And so I ended up choosing this idea of what if my greatest weakness could become my greatest strength? What if mental and personal development is something that I'm willing to really lean into for first myself? And then because of the gifts that God gave me, what if I'm willing to just share that with other people? And at first I just started sharing it. And then the next thing you know, I create a business out of it because I'm an entrepreneur. And the next thing you know, I have paying clients and the money was good. But what was really great was when I saw people a year later, their lives had changed from having conversations with me. Yeah. And I all of a sudden realized that I could have massive effect on people. And there was a lot in my first business that kind of was leading me in that direction. But the guts that it took me to actually dive into that um, is the thing that we often make fun of other people for. Why don't you just do it? Why don't you just do it? Well, I pushed myself to that limit, right. that ceiling. And I said, oh shit, man, I don't know how to do any of this. I mean, I don't know how to speak on stage. How do you get paid to speak on stage? I'm writing a book, I'm telling people my thoughts. Um, that's a lot of response. I mean, all those thoughts went through my head. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I said, well, if you don't fucking do it, who's going to, man? Yeah. And who's going to do it just like you do it? And who's here to tell you that you can't do it? Isn't that what you actually believe in? Is it nobody gets to dictate your schedule? Nobody gets to tell you what kind of human you're going to be. Nobody gets to tell you what your life is going to look like and, and be like. And what if it's, maybe it's a trash, it's a dumpster fire compared to everybody else. But if I like it, if I feel purpose behind it, then it's worthwhile. And so the impetus of that book is I've been down this road of entrepreneurship for 24 plus years, you know, close to half my life, over half my life. And what if I'm able to reach back to that young man or young woman who is at the precipice of going, I'm not sure where else I can go. What if I can give you some insights and ideas along the way that just kick you over the edge? Because yeah. what I've realized, just like you and I were talking about, when you make the choice to do something and you jump over the cliff, you will grow wings or you will die. But it's amazing that most of us choose to grow wings. Right. Most of us choose to, to push through the barrier that we thought we couldn't to become who we thought we weren't. And then you live a life of purpose. And I imagine a world that I will never re realize, but I imagine a world where every human on earth understands who they were made to be. And unapologetically, they are those people. What kind of world would that be? And I, 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 I want to fight for that for the rest of my life. And so that's what the book's about, helping encourage other people to do the same thing. I love that. So, so many little things to unpack there. Like I love, and I think you just gave a nugget there that, that I, I don't want anybody to miss. It's that question that you asked, you know, for the rest of my life, right? And I don't know that many people, 
I shouldn't, I don't know if that's the right, I'm, I'm gonna say it anyway. I don't know that many people are doing right now something that they want to do for the rest of their lives or something they can see themselves doing for the rest of their lives. I know you and I share that where we are is in that exact place. I can't imagine doing anything else than what I'm doing. And the thought of quote unquote retirement doesn't even cross my mind because this is a journey and a, and a personal growth journey that I'm on. And as I grow, I'm going to get the ability to help you grow and, and, and them grow. And, and, and it's just going to keep evolving. How much of your, you mentioned the word ego and you mentioned the word identity. And I think those are really two really important subjects or words to, to kind of unpack. A lot of times, like, you know, the, the, the theory is that we'll never, we'll never outgrow our identity, right? Who we think we are is who we will be. So how much of how much of that did you have to work through whenever, you know, because you said, if I don't do it, who is, right? So you're, you had to change your identity a little bit along that process. And then, you know, you said it was a little bit strike to your ego. How did you overcome that? <laughs> so when you were saying that, what it reminded me of, and I haven't shared with you, and again, it's, it's my story. So it's like, oh, did, didn't you know that? No, you didn't. Um, I was a business owner in Virginia. I'm the oldest son uh, my parents got divorced when I was two and they both have kids and being the business owner, being the oldest son, the, the older brother, I, I was given a lot of responsibility, you know, and some of that was just a requirement based upon family values. Uh, I was, so another way to say that is I was a really big fish in a really small pond, right? I decided to close my business down in 2009. I got divorced. Um, I left every human being that I've ever known and I moved to New Hampshire, like 900 miles away from, and I've never been to New England, never been this far up North, never, no, nothing. And I had the opportunity to reinvent myself. Well, the first thing that happened outside of a protective network is every mistake that I made became magnified because there was no safety net. And because of my ego, I was unaware. I did a lot of blaming. Well, that's not my fault. Well, that's not my fault. But the bottom line is my bank account was definitely telling me it was my fault. Um, people being upset with me. Um, people in New England communicate a little bit different than they do down South. Um, they're a little bit more in your face and straightforward. Um, that took a little bit of getting used to. But the most important thing that I learned from you know that opportunity was the only thing that was truly holding me back was a belief system that I was being nurtured in, in, in Virginia by my family that said, well, as long as you do this, you know, kind of being pat on the head, we accept this part of you and we'll kind of check you and keep you in line with your ego. When I moved up here, they're like, who the hell are you? You're nobody. You don't count. And so those, those isms that I had that were un, uh, that were not good for me, which were ego-based, um, started really showing results very, very quickly, negative yeah. results. And what I had to do, and it was the hardest thing that I've ever done, what I had to do was say, what would my life be like if I chose not to be this person? So these little things like, what is it like to not tell a white lie? What is it like not to tell somebody uh, or to tell somebody the truth when you're 10 minutes late for a meeting that I'm sorry, I'm late, no excuse. What is it like to have extreme ownership? What is it like to realize that 
as an entrepreneur, I was a really good visionary and a sort of good implementer, but I'm not very good at attracting talent to my team that is at my level or above. In fact, I've always been attracting talent that was way below me so I could control them. And these are the kinds of questions that made me dig deeper and say, why, why'd you, why do you choose to do that? Are you trading money for prestige? Are you trading the, uh, money and success in the financial world for the accolades of a team patting me on the back and saying, thank you, boss. Thank you for paying me, whatever. And in the process of doing, I started reading a lot of books, listening to a lot of audio, a lot, you know, this is before podcasts and everything were available. And I started realizing that highly successful people think much, much differently than people that aren't. And every time that I reached a new level, um, what I found, and this is a quote from a buddy of mine, Dante Smiley, um, new level, new devil. And so I would reach a new level and I'd go, oh boy, I can sit back and relax. And what I realized is that was one of my biggest problems. I kept sprinting to the finish line and going, where's my prize? Asshole, the prize was you sprinting to the finish line. It's the next level that you're ready for now. So when I started looking at my life that way, I started putting my ego on the side. I started putting the ability for me to always be corporate and pretend like everything was okay, even though I was dying inside. And I started being vulnerable. The downside of it is um, at first, like a baby with a broadsword, I was vulnerable in such a way that all of the, um, all of the uh, vultures came in. And so then I had to learn how to craft that in such a way that I, I was able to be vulnerable, but powerful at the same time. And that's where the healthy ego kicked in. These are who I want to be in my circle. These are the friends that when they tell me something, they're doing it with integrity and they're not trying to use that as a stepping stone to squish me. They're using it to build me up. And so everything started changing with personal and professional development. And that's when I, you know, being near Boston instead of in Hickville, Virginia, I was able to find coaches because they're just more around a metropolitan area. And, uh, and that is where I started to be able to make the commitment for lifelong change. And that's where I was able to find my purpose, really, really dig down and find it. Yeah, I like what you said. So you said you basically, in a nutshell, you had to, you had to give up this identity that you had been kind of given, not really given, but like yeah. there was, there was cast upon you, right? You were kind of like, Hey, this is who you'll be. And you kind of just, you accepted that. And then you actually had to, to destroy that for lack of a better term and like go through the, the metamorphosis of like <laughs> becoming who you are today, which, you know, I think a lot of times people think that, oh, well then I'll, I'll just, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be simple. Right. I mean, it, it, it was probably the things you had to do probably weren't vastly challenging, but they were hard to do because giving up who you think you are is a, that's, that's a heavy card to play. Well, it was, it was situational that made it hard, right? So I'm doing exactly what I do now, quote unquote, the right thing for my experience here on earth. But there was a point in time where I was up here in New Hampshire, sitting in an apartment on a sofa, and I have two days worth of fuel in the tank in the middle of winter. I was broke beyond broke. I'd never been broke like that before. It's hard to continue to do the right thing 
when the circumstance tells you just go back to the way you used to be because it was easier you could easily sell people you could convince people to give you money you could do it this way and do it that way the fortitude that it took for me the thing that i'm most proud about is even as it became more painful i leaned in harder to the pain and without purpose behind it i wouldn't have done it dude i wouldn't that was a lot of conversations between me and god you know what yeah. I mean? And, and the cool thing is, is some of those conversations between me and God led me to people like you to talk to. Right. Yeah. And it would be just enough. That's why I'm so willing to get on podcasts and talk. It's why I wrote the book. Um, I want to encourage other people. Hey, man, if you're going through hell, keep moving. Yeah, like, just going. don't stop. <laughs> keep going. It's going to get better if you don't stop. It has to get better and it will get better because you get better. It doesn't get easier. You get better. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The further through you get, the better you're going to get to, you know, it's the only way through, right? I love what you said a while ago. I want, give me an example, because I agree with you a, a billion percent. Successful people think differently. So what, give me, a, give me an example about like an example of, of how a successful person thinks differently than someone. You can use yourself as an analogy. Like you used to think this way and now you believe or think this way. Yeah. Um, Successful people use things and love people. Unsuccessful people love things and use people. Um, and, it, and if you just look out into the world, it's very easy to identify over time with any given human being. Yeah. Um, very successful people understand that the real commodity in the world are the relationships that you have. Agreed. You know, um, that that leads me to real quick. I want, I have this concept that I, I call my circle of success, right? And it's the people that are the closest to me, right? It's, it's not Facebook friends. It's not something like that. It's that it's actually core, you know, group of people that, 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 you know, keep you moving forward in those crazy tough times. It sounds like when you left Virginia, went to New Hampshire, you were riding solo for a minute, right? And you, you, you had to figure it out kind of on your own, but then you, you quickly realized that like, I do need to be around <laughs> mentors and coaches and, and other people. What was that process like of like going from solo, you know, the lone wolf to like finding your, your core group of people and how has that been transformational in your, in your success? So um, I came up in 2009 and once I kind of got established in a job for a couple of years, I realized that that job you know, it was, they, they were doing four or 5 million a year. And I, you know, if he decided to sell the company, it's like, I'm out again. Right. And so I felt very vulnerable. So the first thing that I did once I was, I became the number one salesman in the company and everything. And I was you know doing fine. I started spending my off time online, you know, and, and learning like how, how do I, I had this idea that I can sell like Evan Pagan, I can create a product, you know, and that's, that's what was kind of going on around that time frame. Um, 2011. So, and I tripped into meeting my first mentor. Um, I read a blog post and um, the blog post said how to meet influencers on social media. I used the technique in the blog post. I met this dude in DC. Funny, I drive all the way up here, live up here. And then I meet a guy back from where I live. His name is Lonnie Robinson. He passed away from COVID uh, four months ago, three months ago now. I'm um, really sad. Uh, cause he, he definitely was, didn't seem like his time, but we spent the next, uh, almost decade together. Um, at first as mentor mentee, and then his business partner selling millions of dollars of, uh, services and products online. And in the process of meeting him, 
I was kind of like the little boy that he picked up and dusted off the backside and pointed me in the right direction. And then, you know, we developed this long-term walking. We're just two dudes kicking stones down the road. You know, he happened to be a black guy, you know, I'm a white guy. So we had lots of really interesting conversations based upon whatever was going on in the world, based upon our upbringings, based upon lots of lots of things. And because we were able to become such good friends, a lot of the barriers that people of different races and ethnicities can't go through, we actually were able to communicate on. And, and it allowed me to understand the singular, better the singularity of the human experience, right? That we're all a lot more alike than we are different. Yeah. In the process of doing that, just to be completely transparent with you, I was still meeting and doing business with the biggest assholes in the world because I was still the biggest asshole in the world. And that is when it started to go click. If I just continue to change me, my clientele changes, the circle of people that I hang around changes. And so what I needed access to was better and better information. And it just so happens that a lot of that information is very accessible if you're willing to pay to be part of people that are in those groups. And that's when I started joining mastermind groups. And then I went through the same evolutionary process of going, well, that was good, but not great. Okay, this one sucks. Okay, this one is great. And we can talk all day long, but there's never any money made from it. So just this process of climbing up a mountain until I found people that have a level of financial success that would blow anybody's mind. I have clients now with financial success that would blow anybody's mind. But on the secondary level, the condensation of information that comes is just like dip that whole conversation in a highlighter bucket. And that is when I started realizing, boy, this is where the, the pay dirt is. The, the super high level groups of people that are attracted to one another that can afford to be there. So they eliminate other people that aren't quite ready for that kind of information. And not only am I, you know, the director of all of the coaches inside of a program like that, I have my own program with Iconic that we do that with. And we're able to accomplish in one year, what took me a decade to do because we just cut through the stuff. And it's probably very similar to what you do. It's like, here's my experience over the last decade. Here are the seven things that work and here are the 4,900 things that don't. Right. So we're just going to avoid that. And, and in full transparency, Jay, I, I quite literally, it, it wasn't like a, a revolutionary moment and I got lucky. It's I built myself to the place where these people said, yeah, come into this, be a part of this. I like you being a part of this. And it was kissing a lot of toads along the way. <laughs> yeah, I wrote down as you got better, your your circumstances got better, your circle got better. Your, you know what I mean? So as we improve, we get the opportunity for improvement around our life, right? It doesn't usually work the other way around, right? You don't, you don't get invited to the, you don't get invited to sit at the table, you know, if you're not, if there's no value that, that comes along with that. So I think the, the easiest way to, to explain that is if you want your circumstances to change, the easiest thing, well, maybe not the easiest, but the most important thing to start changing is yourself and, and what you're thinking and what you're speaking, how you're acting and, and start to move along. And, you, you know, I, well, I want to kind of unpack this a little bit because I think a lot of people just probably heard the finality of what you said. You're like, now I'm around these amazing high net worth, blah, you know what I mean? Like, but you didn't, you didn't start there. 
Like that wasn't day one. And so let's give them, let's give them a, a tool because you are going to have to go, you know, it's a step-by-step-by-step -step -step process. So for somebody who's maybe in, in the place that where we started, where, man, I know I want something different. The question is, I don't know how to do it. Oh, it's super, it's super yeah. simple, man. Where would you start? So I, I've actually developed a program around it. I've um, sold thousands and thousands of units of it, and I've taken hundreds of people through it, and it's life-changing, absolutely life-changing. It's called Activating My Purpose. Um, it's based upon Napoleon Hill's success principles. Okay. Um, he has a book, Think and Grow Rich, but he has a much bigger book um, called Success Principles. And uh, the idea is, <laughs> and this, anybody can do this, and I recommend that you do this when you first get up in the morning. Um, you need to take a pen and a piece of paper. You need to go sit down in a quiet place where you will not be interrupted for about 45 minutes. Okay. And for the first 20 minutes, I want you to write down what I want is. And just write it down, whatever, whatever. I want pink elephants. Don't limit yourself by going, being self-conscious. Just write whatever weird shit comes out. It doesn't matter. But write and write and write and write and write. What I want is. And you're going to go through all these materialistic things that you want, relationships that you want, whatever it is that you want. That's great. And then you're going to think you're done. And my challenge to everyone that's listening to you is, no, that is not when you're done. That is when you're just starting. Because if you can sit through the pain and the boring moment of you being, I don't have anything else to write, what will start to come out of that pin is what you really want. And when you, and most of us have had it taken away from us at a very young age that we're allowed to be who we want to be. I mean, I can, I don't need to belabor that, but by, by the age of seven, most of us have told, been told we will not be the president of the United States. We will not be an astronaut. We will not be a firefighter. Whatever your dream was, you're kind of like, yeah, you're probably not going to be Fabio. You're not a model, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so we go with this limiting belief, but by you writing what you want and getting to that place and you'll know that you're there, when either the hair on your arm stands up with what you just wrote, or you start emoting, like literally, you'll, you'll get kind of teary about it. You're like, damn, I, I'm, that's pretty vulnerable. I can't believe I wrote that that's what I want. Yeah. A lot of people stop right there, but I know how the subconscious mind actually works and it works in real time. So if you can turn what I want into I am, I am statements, I am now this, I am now that. If you can do that and you can come back to that the next day and read that and it gives you goosebumps all over you, you're getting very close to your purpose. Once you have determined that, what your subconscious mind is willing to do is find any and every opportunity that makes it the easiest path for you to get that. So you better be fucking specific about what it is you really want. Oh, yeah. Because if you say you want a million dollars, that might be that you gross a million dollars and you still end up taking home 57,000. So you have to be specific in what you want and what I am. And then you have to be willing to tell the universe or tell God, however you see it, this is what you're willing to do to receive those benefits. And that is what your purpose is. If you do that, those opportunities show up. And then here's my next steps. It's so simple. Once you know what you want to do, don't stop doing it. Don't you ever quit. It's called doing the work. And you will continue to do that for the rest of your life. And what you will find is those very things that you wrote down, you will start to accomplish. And I've seen it happen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. 
because our subconscious mind rules everything. We don't, we think it's our thinking brain that rules. It doesn't. Yeah. For anybody who's listening to me, if you've ever heard, I talk about the reticular activating system all, all the time. And so this is not a, this is not a new concept. What Chris has shared with you is new, but the concept of, of your reticular activating system, how it works and how it's designed to work is exactly what Chris is talking about. You said a couple of things that I think are uber important. So I, you know, I don't even know who said this. I know it's, it's not Jay Nixon, but it's like the life, or God or the universe rewards the specific ask and punishes the vague wish. I don't know who we should credit for that. It's definitely not me. So whoever it is, give them credit. But that is so true. And so many people are so terrified. And I want you to tell me about why you think this is, Chris. Because I always say, the first question is never the real question. It's never the first question somebody asks me is never really the thing they want the answer to. Correct. They're just afraid to ask me what they really, the question that they really want the answer to, because a couple of reasons I think, because it makes it real. It makes it, you have, you're now all of a sudden accountable. Because if I give you the answer and you don't do anything with it, guess who the asshole is? It's you. So why do people, why are people so vague with their, it drives me insane. So why are people so vague with their lives? Um, number one, I think people are vague because of the people that they're surrounded by in, in, in the environment in general. Um, it's not something that breeds uh, imagination, right? And the thing that separates us from a lot of other animals on earth is we have the ability to imagine something and then put the work in to create it. Now, other animals can do that. They can build a hive or they can do things. And we can argue whether it's instinct or whether it's, you know, purpose driven or conscious driven. And and I've seen dogs and other things do some conscious driven things, but I'm talking on a larger scale, right? But our imaginations at a young age were rewarded for it up until the point where we're held accountable for results. And then we start getting judged for being that kind of person. And for the vast majority of people, we have so much stimulus out here that can entertain us, that can dull our thinking, dull our imagination. Hey, I I mean, I don't have to read something anymore and imagine the scene that the writer is creating. I can just watch it on TV. I don't have to go find a girl to have sex with. I can just turn porn on anywhere and it's actually acceptable. Um, I could go on and on and on about how much Um, We're being desensitized to the point where you can just be a lump on the couch and do nothing and get by in life. When we start moving people to the place of asking what, even that, what do you really want? You would, and you're not, because you've asked a million people that too, and so have I. The first response that I get is this look of bewilderment in their eyes because no one's ever asked them that. What makes me sad is motherfucker, you've never asked you that. That's what makes me just a little bit different. I was always willing to ask me that, go create something, mess it up, look like a fool in front of everybody and go, all right, that didn't work. Let's go again. And that was a gift that God gave me. So I'm going to use that to not only make myself um, more successful, but I'm going to use it to help other people to say, hey man, I don't judge you for the results you get. I judge you for the effort that you give it. And when people start living life in that realm, that they, they're proud of themselves because they push themselves one degree more. Look, you might be able to squat 800 pounds and this guy over here that just started in the gym might not be able to do a full squat, even with the Smith machine helping him out. 
Am I going to love you better or, or esteem you more? No, I will not. In fact, I'm probably prouder of the fat guy that came in the gym that's willing to stand there and even give it a damn shot than I am some seasoned skinny guy who, who's figured it out because I relate to that story. And, and in fact, not just me, every human on earth relates to the Rocky story because it came from Homer and Ulysses. It's the first known story we have about losing it all in redemption. And I believe that everybody loves it they just have to become the hero in their own story. Yep. And that's what we need to inspire people to do is be your own hero. And I think that's why people don't do it is because they're so used to seeing it outside of themselves that when you look them in the eyes and say, hey, do you want to be a hero? They immediately go 8 million comments in their head go, I'm not worthy. Dude, yeah. no one chooses your unworthy except you. And that's the personal development that I have to go through with people with AMP and all sorts of other things to prove to them. Dude, nobody made you get goosebumps except you. Nobody's holding you back from achieving what you want except you. Do you really understand that? Because you don't have to create it all yourself. There are millions of people around you that will immediately employ into your dream once you believe in it enough. I like, I have a saying, I always say like everybody's somebody's hero and you need to act accordingly. Hell right? yeah. If you start, if you start thinking that way, like I'm somebody's hero, I better damn sure act accordingly. We don't do that. A couple of things that I find to be, and I, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. And so I saved this weird little cartoon on my desktop and you just said something a while ago was like, that made me think of it. So it's, it's, um, I wish you guys could see this. It's a, it's a two little kids playing in a room there's Legos, there's a horse, there's a car. And it looks like the little girl says to the little boy, what do you want to be when you give up? And so what the kid's doing, he's building this Lego thing and there's, there's a castle behind him, there's a unicorn. There's all kind of just like, there's a spaceship of the kid living as a kid. And you said something a while ago is like, until we get either A, convinced that we can no longer be those things to somebody said, you'll never be blank. What, and then we decide to be like this second, third, fourth, 10th iteration of what we really want. And then I get this pushback and I want to see how you, I want to see how you would answer this. And I know how they, everybody knows how I answer it. I always say like, you should be living the life you deserve and desire or desire and deserve, right? I get pushback from people that say, well, why do you think you deserve more than you have? Isn't that a, isn't that a, for lack of a better term, like a, um, you know, an ego driven statement, or why do you deserve more than this next person or whatever? How would you, how would you answer that? If somebody said, well, if I said, Hey, Chris, just, you know, you don't really deserve, you don't, you don't deserve more. You got enough, my man, just, just chill out. Um, <clears throat> you know, I would say Jay respectfully. Um, I live in a world of absolute abundance, man. There, there, there's more than enough for any human being um, times a million to have any and everything that they want. I don't do what I do because I get something from it. I do what I do because I'm in service to my fellow man. You and, can give something actually. Yeah. And so you might not understand me from the seat that you're sitting in, but all of the stuff that I have is not really that important to me. I have it because it attracts people like you to ask more questions like you just did. But what if for just a moment, you didn't live under the narrative that life is limited? 
what would happen if I told you that money didn't really exist, that we created it? Um, am I proud that I have millions of dollars? N not, not, not really, because it's a tool to use to reach more people to help free them up. So for me, I am content with where I am. If I never got another thing, if, if I got pushed back into that apartment and I only have two days worth of heat, the one thing I've learned is that I'm content no matter what. But on the other side of it, in order for me to accomplish my goal to help millions of people around the world to live better lives, I have to have those resources. And I use them appropriately, obviously, because it continues to grow. And I would suggest that you do the same thing. I'll show you how. Come on. I love the word abundance. I, I use it on a daily basis. I write it down every single morning as part of my morning practice. You know, I just, I, I, I start out with the, with two words. I just say, thank you. Right. Every single morning, those are first two wrote words I write on the top of my journal. And then I basically say, you know, that I'm, I'm unbelievably grateful for this, this awesome abundant life that I get to live and that I'm going to maximize the shit out of it. Yeah. I love what you said too. I, I got this from your website. I'm going to read this direct quote. So this is directly from Chris's website. It says, because we are living in a world that desperately needs leaders, not fictional heroes, super, super media magnets, media crazed whores, or peddlers of junk food, feel good personal development. I couldn't agree with every word in that, in that sentence. How do we get away from that, Chris? Because I've had this conversation with some guys that I'm really close to, and I love perspectives and things of that nature. I feel like we're in a world of there's more influence than there is impact. And I'm big on flipping the script on that. I want more impact and I don't give a shit about influence, right? How do we get out of that place that you described? Because it's exactly where we are. We're, you know, we're in a world of, of social media chaos, dumpster fire, however you want to describe it. How do we get more impact and less influence? So I think the biggest way is it happens in the home. Mm -hmm. um, but in order to get back to the home, we have to do it outside of the home first for it to trickle in. Um, so quite honestly, podcasts like this, um, being willing, you know, I use my social media, not as a way for me to entertain myself. I use it as a marketing platform yeah, and a communication tool only. It is a way for me to influence other people to create impact in their lives. I think about every post that I write that not only are they going to read it, their mom is going to read it. So there's generational things I want to be able to relate there. And that maybe their five-year-old kid is going to hear that message through them. So I think it's intentionality is, is the way that we get there. And awareness has to come before intentionality occurs. Next is um, we have to be able to get together. More and more of us that believe in the same things have to be able to get together so that that, that megaphone gets louder and attracts more people. And here's the easiest way to do it. Um, most people talk about what you can be. I found in our world that most people uh, run away from pain, not toward pleasure. So we have to be able to speak to uh, that pain, which requires us to be vulnerable. It requires me to be willing to share my story, all warts and all, how I fucked it up, how I didn't do it right, how I embarrassed myself, how I made life choices that I can never, ever take back. I have to be willing to be that kind of person. And here's what's cool. 
we're evolving into a place where the consumer is becoming so intelligent that they can tell just in text messaging whether you're being authentic or not. You can't fake it. And the more we can, the more authentic we can be vulnerable with a purpose behind it, the more impact we can have on people's lives because now we're telling our truth. And dude, I can't judge you for your truth. I can disagree with it, but I can't judge you for it. And the more that we're able to do that, I think we saw both sides of these sometimes political or country-based equations of, you know, my religion, your religion, my, uh, my political viewpoint. You know, we, we actually touch all of it because we're helping humans be free. And it's a very difficult, very weird road to navigate. But I think the only thing that I've been able to do is say, you know what? I have my thoughts. They're my damn thoughts. And I'm not going to allow you to belittle me for thinking the way I think. When they're my thoughts, not right. what I've been programmed by, but my thoughts. Right. And for somebody to be old enough to stand up, dude, I, I champion people that believe in the exact opposite of me if they actually believe in what they're talking about. Those are the people I want to go talk to. I might learn something. And that's how I've lived my life, my whole life. And the more I live that way, the more successful I become. It's really weird, you know? That's a that's a great perspective. I mean, I think that's something we all need to hear again is like, you know what? It's like, if someone really believes fundamentally what it is they believe, I'm, I'm with you. It's like, listen, I'm who am I to tell you not to believe that? I think the separation is when we get the people who are just regurgitating yeah. what, they've, what they've been conditioned or, or, or told to believe. And I think that's where we got, we have to get to in, in the, in our world is like, you wouldn't be where you are today. And I wouldn't be where I am if I allowed myself to be conditioned by other people's belief systems about who, what, and, and why I should do what I'm going to do. Because, you know, it's, it's that, it's that nature of, of average, right? Like we're all, we were all kind of drawn, no, we're, we shouldn't be, but we are, it's kind of like a moth to a flame. People are drawn to average. We've been conditioned that way. Like, what's the first thing they told you in school? Like when they were grading the test? Well, are you going to grade on an average? Like, what's the average score? Like, what's the average this, the average that? It's like, I want to get so far away from average that I can't even see it anymore. Like if somebody says, Jay, you're, you're weird, man. Like you don't think like most people, you don't talk like most people. Like, you, you know, you don't want to talk about like nonsense, like you know, fantasy football and stuff like that. That's the greatest accomplishment. I mean, the greatest gift someone could say to me, like the weirder I am, the better I get. And yeah. so I would say, embrace your weirdness, like embrace your, the oddities of who you are. And I mean, I, you, you've had to have done that in order to do what you've done. Like you don't leave the confines and comfort of home. You know what I mean? Like whatever and say, well, okay, 900 miles, like New Hampshire. Sure. Sounds like a great idea. Like you had, to, you know, that took some guts, mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that you had to embrace a lot of like new, not even probably newness. You had to embrace who you really were. Cause if you took who you thought you were with you, it wouldn't have worked. No. And it, well, it, it's not that it wouldn't work. It didn't work. Cause yeah. I tried. Yeah. And, and that's where I got to meet me on that real road and without a safety net and do I ever want to have to experience that pain again? Not on that level. No. Um, am I willing to? Yes, sir. Without a fucking shadow of a doubt, take it all away and I will start over and I will do it quicker. I want people to feel like that because I am content. I, I, by going through the crap I went through, 
I got to find out for me who God really is. And that's something that has given me peace beyond even like, I don't, it's, it's the weirdest thing. I care and I don't care all at the same time. I understand that. And so now I invest my time in things that are timeless. Speaking with you today, I could be doing a million things. I'm doing this because it's timeless. It's something that I believe we can wrap. We, you know, the person that referred us together would not have referred either one of us because I know who he is. Um, I know we're going to have a jam session. I know it's going to be great. And at the end of the day, maybe 50 years from now, if one person's changed from it, dude, I, I, that gives me goosebumps because I wanted, I needed that a long time ago, dude, when it wasn't available, I had to listen to audio tapes from people back in the fifties, Earl Nightingale. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I listened to. I'm painting the side of a house plugged into a tape cassette of Earl Nightingale talking about shit that I didn't really understand, but it started this little spark in me. And I was like, what if that the what if game started happening? I'm like, man, I really like that idea of what if better than my present circumstance. And here I am years later, I just haven't ever quit. Yeah. And if we can help other people to find a reason to like t- bite into something and then just keep doing it until they become a razor sharp edge, man, job well, I feel like for me, job well done, whether I'm successful or not job well done, because yeah. my best friend in life was my grandfather. He died a millionaire, but he made it to the ninth grade. He didn't use any of that money. He planted gardens and, and put up PA systems at the baseball field and drove around a piece of shit van. It wasn't about the money. It was about helping another human being. Yeah. And instead of talking about Jesus so much, he went out and did the fucking work, man. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. And you know what? I was with him the day that he died. And I was with him the day that he had the stroke, which was a couple of weeks ahead of time. And I saw the contentment in his eyes. And it was like, that's real. Whatever the hell that is, he actually believes in what he taught me. I just wanted to find out what that really was for me. And as I found it, I'm like, man, I just want to share that with people. I want other people to not, I don't, I I know you and I are this, bro. I don't live in this world that other people live in with all the fears that they have and all the Mm -hmm. things that are making them nervous and tied down. Like, I don't think like that at all. I was just going to say this to you. And I I mean, you don't know much about my backstory and we're not going to get into it here, but I feel impenetrable is the wrong word, right? We're all vulnerable to, to certain things, but the average average things do not phase me. They don't bother me. Like, nor, you know, the normalcies of life that most people get exacerbated about, like I'm, like, you know, my wife, Lori will always say like, I mean, you, the crazier the shit, the calmer you are. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem to affect you. And I think it's because I'm fortified in everything we've talked about today, who I am and, and the what I know to be true and, and purpose driven and all of those things. And it just, it's so much, and the reason I'm saying that is because I, some of you guys are on the cusp and you're making the decision today or tomorrow or whenever you hear this, do I keep going through the shit that Chris talked about earlier? And I want you to understand and listen to one of us, both of us, mm-hmm. and know that the, it's the only way. Yeah. Like reverse is you know the outcome of that. It's not where you want to be. It's not what you deserve. It's not what you desire. So don't do it anymore. Go forward in the face of that adversity and actually start living the life that, that you truly want to live. And last thing I want to say, and then I want to let you close, Chris, is you talked about 
purpose and all of those things and getting better and, and doing a podcast like this today to hopefully somebody will listen and get better. I want you guys to hear me very clearly on this. When I do a podcast like this, I get better. Like I'm, this is my show and I got better today. You know what I mean? Because I got to bring a guy like Chris on and it, it doesn't matter what level you're at, who you are or whatever. When you surround yourself with, I've, today, this is the first time I've ever talked to Chris. If somebody says, hey, do you know Chris Whitehead? I'd be like, yeah, he's my bro, he's my friend. Like I just became friends with a dude today that I'm literally, and I'm not, and I just got goosebumps when I said that because when you get to a place where you understand people and energy and transfer and all that shit, you can easily, you said people are intelligent, right? You can weed out nonsense really, really quick. So I want to say before we, before I let you close, Chris, I want to say thank you for making me better today, for being my new friend, even though you just found out about it. Just let that soak in. You don't have to say anything. And um, I just, you know, I, I need, I need in my life and we need in the world more people like you. And so I just want to say thank you for what you're doing. And I know what you'll continue to do. And the last question I have for you is I'm obsessed with winning. I think it's a great thing. I think it's necessary. I think it's, I think everybody wants it, but most people are afraid to, to just say, I want to win. What is that? When I say winning to you, like, what does that mean? How does it make you feel? Like what's the dynamic around that word? Cause I think it's a, it makes people uncomfortable. So I think winning breeds winning, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I think about, you know, I was fortunate enough as a five-year-old kid to start playing baseball, right? And I was the proverbial left-handed kid playing center field, legs twisted up in the outfield, picking up four-leaf clovers. You know, the ball could have popped me on the head. And I wouldn't have known. I, I didn't know anything. But all of a sudden, I saw that there was this small group of kids that got to play after the season was over. I didn't know it was called All-Stars, but the next year I was on All-Stars. And then from there through all the way through um, college, um, I played baseball. I had some opportunities to win. I also, when I went to college, played intramural sports and I got to run. And I, I remember being the final leg of a 1600 relay race and I turned around the last hundred yard turn, hundred meter turn. And um, I was in first place and we were about 50 meters away, 40 meters away. And I found myself in second place, then third place. And then before I got to fourth place, I pulled up GIMP. I pretended I, I pulled something in my leg. I went as far, cause I was in a fraternity. I went as far to go to the hospital that was in town and they gave me some Percocet and they gave me a pair of crutches and I played the whole thing out, man. I'm, I'm not, not proud to say that, but I'm willing to share it because even now, 30 years later, <laughs> um, it drives me. It drives me, Chris, why weren't you willing to lose with grace? And part of that is because I know that all of us that have tasted winning want to win. I use that as an example for me in my own growth to realize how many times I pulled up GIMP instead of just finishing the race. And I made a commitment to myself that no matter what results I got, that they're going to be my fucking results. I'm going to give it the best shot I have. And if I finish third or fourth or 99th, at least I got to run the race. At least I gave myself a chance. Now, where it started getting good, Jay, is I remember all this personal development and kind of weird, dramatic, you know, catch you in the throat moments keep happening like they do to most people. And then all of a sudden a little wind would happen. I'd be like, 
well, that was a weird coincidence. And then another win would happen. And then another win would happen. After about 20 of them, I started saying, wait, I think I'm on a winning streak. And then I started realizing that everything that I had done years ago and months ago had finally reached specific gravity to where the winning was just pouring over the top of the cup. And I realized my only job was to keep filling the cup up so shit would flow over the top of the cup. And all of a sudden winning became a lifestyle. It's expected. It's not, it's not, oh boy, I won. It's not lottery mentality. It's I expect to win. And when I don't, I don't get upset by not winning. I, I start to investigate where are the things that, where was the strategy wrong? And then I make corrections. And that gives me that same contentment and peace that you're talking about fortified. And just like you, winning breeds more winning. We breeds better friendships, breeds better relationships. I mean, dude, this is a testimony. I didn't know you. You didn't know me. We got in and started jamming immediately. And I expected nothing different to come from it because that's who I, that's the energetic level that I put out into the world these days. This would have been a five minute podcast if it had been any different. I promise you. Yeah. And from one, from one of us or the other, I'm not putting you down. Oh, no, I don't, I don't take that as a, I don't take that as a, as a dig at all. I, first of all, Mark isn't crazy enough to, to introduce us, right? <laughs> if it wasn't going to work. And so I think, you know, we both knew coming in that you know, the other guy on the other end was probably going to be pretty decent. You know what I mean? Um, if, if we consider Mark to be decent and Mark, we do, brother. I, still, I love you. I appreciate you. Still. <laughs> Dude, that's, a, that's such a phenomenal answer. And I think that's a, a beautiful way to, you know, to end this. Cause I want people, I want people to want to win and I want them to get comfortable winning. Cause I think you're so right. You know, the win doesn't have to be something monumental at first. It's like you said, oh my gosh, I'm winning. Like you were almost unaware of it. Like I started getting these like little, these little wins. And then all of a sudden those little wins turn into bigger wins and then bigger wins and then bigger wins. And then the next thing, you know, I wrote this down, it became your lifestyle. Right. And I think the most important thing you said out of that is when you don't win, you don't get discouraged or get upset you evaluate and then you correct, right? And so I think that's a really great thing for people to hear is because sometimes not, this is gonna sound counterintuitive, so please try to follow me here. Sometimes not winning a certain thing is going to provide you a bigger win down the road. And so don't get discouraged when you don't, because I wrote down this a while ago, does winning always mean coming in first? And I, I, had, I didn't even answer the question. I just wrote it down because that's the question that came to my mind. And as you were talking, I'm said, I just got to the place of, I'm like, I don't think it does. I think sometimes that second place is more valuable than the win because it, it pisses you off just enough yep. to get better. Yep. And so I think that's a, that's, and I know you agree with me. I know you do. I mean, because yep. you're sitting there shaking your head like crazy, but I'm glad you said that because it really, it, it elicited a thought in me and get, again, guys, we could keep, we could talk for hours. This is why you want to surround yourself with other powerful, positive people. Chris was just talking and it made me think of a question that is now going to be beneficial in my own personal journey. We're just having a freaking conversation. Yep. But these are the kind of conversations that happen in the rooms that you're probably not in right now. How do I get to that room, Jay? You start knocking on doors. You get yourself better and you start knocking on the next door. An event in the next door. I always say adversity is just an unanswered question. Opportunity is just a closed door right now. 
But if you start knocking and you knock with enough purpose and intentionality, and when the door opens, you, you have the right information or the right energy, you're going to get in the room and you're going to grow and learn. And that's how this whole thing changes and transforms. Chris, you're an awesome dude, man. I can't wait to, I, I, like I said, we're friends now. So I can't wait to learn more about you, dude. May, be a resource for you. Same. Anything and everything I can do, man. You, My book and my door is always open for you. And I just want to say thank you so much for today, dude. This was awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. Um, I'll leave everybody with this. Uh, my moniker on uh, on all my postings on social media, I leave it with see in the trenches and a fist bump. And um, it's taken off quite a bit. I believe that, you know, we started playing video games a few years ago and Call of Duty came out and there are all these people that are really good at war. The truth is, is that we are fucking at war. And you're going to find me in the trenches shooting back at the enemy. And I really hope you come and join me because that's, that's where the real fight is. It's funny you say that. I always tell people, you want me in your foxhole. Mm -hmm. I, I call them foxhole friends, right? And you better, you better damn sure make sure your foxhole has the right people in it. And you want me in that foxhole. I just met Chris and guess what? I just, I just kicked somebody's ass out of the foxhole because I need him in there. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. You're welcome, brother. Hey, I will talk to you soon, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode. And keep being disruptive, guys. Keep being inspired and keep transforming into the person that you deserve and desire to be. And we will see you soon. All right. Love you guys. See you.